All right, thank you, the Mills, and that's always uh, good to hear from them to sing for us, and that's a great song there, old, an old song as well, and I really enjoyed that. Well, uh, tonight uh, is a special night because this is the ordination service for uh, Brother Josh Henderson. Uh, we met together on Friday night, uh, uh, Friday afternoon, and, and for about two and a half hours, I think it was, and, and finally... Uh, after some arm wrestling and everything, we came to a decision. <laughs> Not really. It was a unanimous decision. But nonetheless, uh, I'm, I'm really pleased about this. Brother Donald Scully was Josh's pastor as he grew up and, and got saved in that church and, and then also just grew on to uh, go to college from there, to Crown College of the Bible and study for the ministry and now here with us. But what a blessing it is to be able to be the pastor under whom you were uh, called and to be able to come back and be able to preach uh, that, that uh, ordination service. So I know that's a blessing because many times pastors don't get to do that. You know, they, they're somewhere else. And I think I had to drive to Georgia one time to do that for somebody. But for the most part, we don't do that uh, because there's somewhere else when that happens. So I think this is a very special blessing. Brother Scully, uh, appreciate you being here with us. Come preach to us, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Bloom. Take the Word of God with me, please. Let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter 3 tonight. Amen. Thank you, Brother Bloom. I appreciate the privilege. I uh, told him when I get started tonight, I, I appreciate uh, Dr. Bloom and his protecting his pulpit and uh, the things he does here. I know it must make you a little nervous to have somebody you don't know all that well as pastor, but I get excited when I preach because if I get hungry, I can just quit. We go eat. So... Uh, that makes me right at home. I'm just having a good time. Amen. Amen. I do praise the Lord for Central Baptist Church. I've known your church for a long, long time, and I appreciate you taking care of us. We've been staying the last couple of nights in the prophet's chamber. That's quite a ministry. It really is. I thank you for doing that, and uh, the Lord's help there. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm going to come back next week. We'll get to eat dinner again. Amen. I can stay and vote, too. Amen. Might as well. Everybody else does, I think, along the way. Amen. If this is your home church, just jump in there and serve somewhere. Amen. I'm excited about the Roundup Day next week. I'll be praying with you about that. If folks would come and you'd get lost people here. You know, we don't have lost people saving our service if we don't have them in the service, you know. If we don't have some old sinner, you know, maybe not exactly like we'd wish and maybe not smelling like we wish. We don't have some of them hanging around church once in a while. We're not doing our job. And we need to reach out and have them come in and preach the gospel to them. Let the Lord clean up and uh, work on them. Amen. And may the, the Lord help us. Um, I just try to thank all the thank yous all to give. I appreciate Brother Josh inviting me down. I appreciate his parents coming. This is his mom and dad and his little sister with him over here tonight. And uh, they've driven a long way from North Mississippi as well to come down and be a part of this. I'm just, I'm just talking a little bit a moment so you'll kind of get used to my accent, get over it before we get to preaching time. Some of you ought to be familiar with it. I grew up about 30 miles from Tallahassee, so I'm not that far, far away from you, you know, but we learn to say things a little bit different up there in t times, you know. We learn, y'all know uh, some of them uh, words like jeet, you know. You go, you know, we hadn't been somewhere to have food yet, and you say jeet, and nobody else says no, you don't to. You know, we got all them words, some of you folks have to figure them out. Words, words like widgie digi, you know. Y'all know that word widgie digi, don't you? That's a... That's when you're sitting around the summer and man, it's hot and the sun's shining down and you're out there on the porch and the oak trees shading you, but there ain't much breeze and it's just you having a tough time with it. And 
little bit some kin folks drive up, you know, and they come up in the car and they get out and you wave and hey at them, you know, and they're getting out and it's so hot and you're sure hoping they did something good. You you look up at them and say, hey, hey, y'all, y'all ain't bring no watermelon with you, did you? Amen. <laughs> and if you need to explain that one, don't worry about it. It's not worth the effort. <laughs> Amen. Mark chapter number three. Pray for our church back home. Let me take just a brief moment there. It's Grace Bible Baptist Church. We're literally about two miles from the Tennessee line. Our city limits is Tennessee on the north side. It's Corinth, like the Bible ought to be up there. It's one syllable, Corinth, okay? And so if you ever come through, you'll get that right. Come through and wave at it. Stop. We'll feed you, and uh, we'll feed you good, and uh, take good care of you. Brother John Gossett, who some of you may know, is a missionary in Trinidad, has been home about a week and a half from the field, and he's preaching for me this evening, and I appreciate what he's doing there and his family. God bless them. Uh, they're good, solid folks, and you pray that the Lord use them and encourage them uh, back home. Amen. Well, we come tonight, I hope we can just, you know, we ought to enjoy church. The joy of the Lord is my strength, but we have a serious time tonight, and uh, I, I'm excited about Brother Josh. This is an encouragement to my heart. What a privilege. And thank you folks for what you have done to try to encourage and help him and give him an opportunity to serve. And I just pray the Lord would use him and do something wonderful for him and use his life. Us men who sat on the ordination council, I didn't, we didn't discuss this, but I dare say you felt like I did. You kind of reminisced a little bit. You went back. We brought up a little bit about maybe who was at our ordination council and some of the things that happened there, you know. And this will be a special day in Brother Josh's life. I hope you'll pray for him. And I hope you'll pray for Katie. And may the Lord encourage and help you in a special way. All right? Mark chapter 3 is where we'll begin. I'm, I'm kind of bad to just start and run all over the place. But let the Lord help us as we get there. All right? Mark chapter 3. Let's just read a couple of verses. If they, beginning in verse 13. Mark 3 and verse 13. The Bible says, He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. Father, I ask your help tonight, thy Holy Spirit's guidance and filling and direction, and may all needs to be said be said. Help me, Lord, keep the uh, tongue as I should and the mouth and not say what I ought not. And I pray you'd help each heart tonight. Lord, I realize in any given service there are great individual needs. I think the needs back home tonight. God, help those folks and help Brother Gossie preaches there. And Lord, just encourage them. But in these moments, turn our heart. I pray you'd help Brother Josh and Katie. And tonight, may Lord, you again stir and do a work in their hearts. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to notice a phrase with me in verse 14 that maybe you've heard preached upon and may be very familiar to, and the Bible says He ordained the twelve that they should be with Him. That they should be with Him. Isn't that an interesting thought? You know, the Lord's call to us, all of us, and to those whom the Lord has called to be preachers, brother, is a call to be with Him. Sometimes we think that the Lord's call is to a place, somewhere of geography. The Lord will take care of that. Our call is to be with Him. Sometimes we think the Lord's call to us is to some particular ministry, and I have no doubt that God can do that. But really, whatever ministry or whatever place it is, God's call is for us to be with Him. He's the one that we need. We must lean upon Him, you know. That's uh, the idea. You remember in, uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, where the Bible speaks about, 
He bears us on eagles' wings, you know. Uh, the whole idea there is that He brings us to Himself. He is growing us and teaching us and bringing us closer. And this is not just for Brother Josh, this is for all of us tonight, that He would bring us closer to Him. The call is to be with Him. In our day, we have this idea of ministry that somehow is devoid of the Bible. We have a spirituality that's devoid of the Bible. And we have a ministry that's somehow divorced from Christ. That's a foreign thought. Uh, we, we have that going on right and left, you know. We even have places we come to and we say, well, this is my Bible and I believe it and what it says and I have it. And then we put it down don't ever pay attention to it. Don't listen. That's no reality to us. Well, the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us and He's calling us to be with Him. Brother Josh, get in the Bible and learn of the Lord. God has called you to be with Him. How important that is. Let me just say what I'm thinking here for a moment. Church folks, I want you to pray for Him. Some of the greatest encouragement you'll ever get, brother, some dear saint of God just sneaking up beside your side sometime and saying, I'm praying for you. One of the greatest challenges and blessings I have at the same time is preaching a nursing home and some of those dear folks who went to church for years and were faithful, taught Sunday school, played the piano, did everything they could, and now they can't go. They're just physically not able. And you preach to them there and they'll come up to you and grab you by the elbow or something and they'll say, brother, I'm praying for you. Man, that's a heavy feeling, but at the same time, that's an encouraging feeling. I'm just telling you, church folks tonight, I want you to pray for these young folks. May God help us and use us. Charles Spurgeon, who we uh, sometimes are guilty of quoting as the Bible, but he was a man like us, a man of like compassions, but nevertheless a man greatly used of God. And he wrote much and said much. The Lord used him, but this interesting thing he said, he said, the will of the Lord concerning pastors is known through the prayerful judgment of His church. You know, in just a little while, the service will change pace, and Brother Bloom will come, and we'll have a laying on of hands, and there'll be an ordination time for Brother Josh, and it's a commissioning for him, and I hope he'll remember that, but I pray you'll remember, too, that really, that is the church commissioning and sending forth. It is us who are promising to pray for this young man, or to be a blessing, and encouragement, and a help to him, you know, to be separated to him. I think where the Lord talked about Paul and Barnabas, separate them unto me for the ministry. They were to be brought to him. God, the Lord has called you to something unique, Brother Josh. The pastor is not just a ministry that somebody falls back to because they can't do anything else. The pastor is not a ministry that we come to just because we thought it would be exciting. The pastor is not a ministry we come to just because we have a heart for people. Though that's a good thing, it is something that God has called and placed within us. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. And may God help your heart and speak to you, all right? I'm a little bit of an outline preacher, so let me just give you a few little points tonight. We'll take a few moments to dwell on these, and may the Lord help our hearts. Brother Josh, I'm really preaching to you. If y'all would like to listen long, that would be okay, all right? Katie, tonight, if you need to elbow him, give him a good one, okay? Maybe a little towards your end, too, but that's all right. May the Lord help us. Number one, if you're going to be the preacher God called you to be, and we're all going to be the Christians God wants us to be, seek to be a holy man of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's quoted from the book of Leviticus, which is given at least three times in the book of Leviticus. God calls His people unto holiness. We uh, have forgotten that in our day somehow. We explain away everything God has taught and gives us along the way. But we are to be called unto holiness. The world is no help in this. The world doesn't help you think holy. The world doesn't help you dress holily. The world doesn't help you live holy and right. The world is our, the devil with the world is our enemy, you know, and it's going its own way. I'm not impressed with the young 
preachers who go out and think they have to kind of dress like the world and live like and, and they get on the pulpit and preach looking like there's some reject from some boy band somewhere and pretend to have some ministry going along in that way. God calls us to uniqueness. Somebody said, but if I live holy like that, I'm going to feel a little out of place sometime. Well, praise God and be out of place. And just the Lord calls us to holiness. To, he calls us to Himself. He wants us to, to live right. The widow perceived that Elijah was a holy man. There was something different about him. There was something that was said. Oh, not that he didn't live real in the world. I enjoy being around Pastor Bloom. not been around him enough. I can tell he has that good, dry preacher sense of humor, doesn't he? I know you folks, God bless you, work with him, okay, and help him out along there sometime. And when he needs a good laugh, go ahead and help him along the way. And You know, we're just real people, and we, we have real needs, and we do all those things as well. But in our life, we're called to be with the Lord, and we're seek to live holy. Which phrase was used the other day in the ordination council has been used much. You know, others may, but you cannot. There are things as a preacher that we just say, hey, I don't believe God's pleased with that. It may be some example we can't set and do, and that's not what I'm going to do. He has called us to be with Him, and you'll need Him. You'll need Him along the way. We talked the other day in the ordination council about the fact that we wish we could tell you questions are often asked a candidate in the ordination council, not necessarily for an answer, that's good, but a lot of times they're asked just to help him think about some of the things he's going to have to face and some of the questions that are good. You folks that are here tonight, you know you can ask preachers some hard questions sometimes. You can ask them things that are difficult to deal with and they're tough to talk to about there. And you're going to, you'll need the Lord. If you'll be with Him and you'll live with Him and you'll live holy and you'll call Him, the Lord will be there for you. He'll watch over you. Really, our calling is to Him and our accountability is to Him as well. It's not to somebody else. Of course, the church approves us. We cannot preach. The truth of the matter is we cannot be pastors without the pleasure of the people, without that, that calling and that uh, uh, determining by them for us to let us, let us. Let us be called to Him and know that the Lord has called you. And let me encourage you, don't get over it, okay? Sometimes people say, well, that young guy, he's got a lot of zeal for the Lord. He heard some preacher got a little bit of stirred. Don't worry about it. He'll get over it. Don't say that to Brother Josh. Don't say it to any other, other young folks. Man, stoke the fire. Tell them get on fire for the Lord and encourage them. Remember something God did for you. Go back to some of those times when your heart was tender. I remember right now a service I sat in with old Dr. Fred Brown. Dr. Brown had a little Bible. He would pull it out, put one hand in his pocket, hold the Bible out with the other hand, and just beat you to pieces with it. My, that fellow could preach. I don't think he had any books. I don't know that he had any preaching tapes unless some church just taped him one along the way or whatever else. But old Dr. Brown could preach. And I remember a service I sat in one night when he preached on the Holy Spirit of God. Wow, what the Lord did in my heart that night. There was a determination. There was a surrender. There was a, Lord, whatever you want. I didn't think you could love the Lord any more than I loved Him that night. And, you know, I just, God, I, I thank you for it. You know, that's been a long time ago now. But when God gives you one of those services, don't get over it. Go back and remember what God has done for you. Just call Him back. Just stick with Him. Be, be holy. Stay straight. Here, Dr. Robertson. <laughs> straight down the line, young people. You know, don't go to the right or left. Straight down the line. You know, and break that old beautiful white gray hair back that he had. And God used him. Just stay straight with Him, you know. Live for the Lord, you know. And uh, walk with Him. And let Him use you. Be, be holy. You know, things that you get in your walk with God are things God will use you to preach to those God allows you to preach to. 
It will grow out of that. And may God help and speak to you. Let it grow out of your devotion. Let it grow out of your Bible. Let it grow out of the things you read. I picked up a book a while back by a fellow named L.E. Maxwell. Dr. Maxwell was the president of the old Prairie Bible Institute out in western Canada years ago. And the title of the book, I, I was, it was like it just whopped me in the chest and I had to stand there and I, I just couldn't get past the title. The title was Crowded to Christ. Crowded to Christ. Now, Dr. Maxwell may not write like a modern fellow. Thank God for him, but he wrote like a fellow who loved the Lord and knew the Bible. And he wrote in that, and he talked about how some things come along in our life, you know, that may not necessarily be wrong and out of place, but we find that I've given so much to Christ that some of those things are crowded out. You remember the old hymn writer? Is Christ crowded out of your life? But if we'll let Christ come in, He'll crowd us to Him. Just let him, let him crowd us to Him in the ministry. Let us, let us crowd Him to Him in our love. Let us crowd us, be crowded to Him in our thoughts and in our mind, in our heart's devotion, all those things. Just be crowded to the Lord. I uh, told you I grew up 30 miles from Tallahassee. My dad was a fisherman. Now, he worked at the old Flower Sunbeam Bakery. Some of you know that was a big deal up there. And, uh, but Daddy loved to fish, and we fished for fun, and we fished to eat. And, uh, I mean, we caught everything you could imagine. And if we could catch it and it was flopping, we'd eat it, you know. And uh, we had a good time with that or whatever. And I learned, I learned to fish. And I learned to like it. But, you know, I don't go much now. Matter of fact, it's, a, it's an almost never thing. It's almost rarely thing. And I'm, I'm not against it. I'm, I'm glad if you get to go fishing, enjoy it, do it rightly before the Lord. May God use you. Maybe some old lost fellow out there on the lake you get to witness to. Let God use you in the right way about that matter. But you know, some of those things in our life come along and sometimes you're just crowded to Christ and some of those things are crowded out of your life. You know, it's just something God kind of did in my heart to use as an illustration even now. What the Lord does in your heart and crowds to you, draw closer to Him and be holy to Him and use those things God gives you to preach. God will tell you and He'll, He'll direct you and just let Him be your all and direct to Him. You know, A.W. Tozier wrote, Holiness is not an option. We're to live holy. We're not to stand as a hypocrite behind the sacred desk. I'm going to tell you, it's an easy thing to be a hypocrite and stand in the pulpit. That's a tough one, but it can be, can't it? On the other hand, Brother Roloff said one time, some of you knew Brother Roloff, God bless him. I heard him say one time, I never have gotten rid of all of my hypocrisy. Some of you can hear Brother Roloff saying that. We don't ever get rid of all that. We're still just in the flesh. We're still just the old world. But you know, I don't want to come as a hypocrite. I want to genuinely love the Lord and may God help you be genuine with Him and just love Him. Mary found that needful thing to go to the Lord. Be with the Lord. Know that He's holy. Three times. Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And that's Old Testament Isaiah 6 and that's New Testament Revelation chapter 4. And both of them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We know He's holy. He's called us to be with Him. If you're going to be used of the Lord, you're going to have to be holy for God. Amen. You're going to have to keep your heart and keep your mind. Think upon that which is right. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You have to think like the Lord have you think. You know, we live in a wicked thinking day. We live in a James 1.8 day. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Be careful how you think. I hear people say once in a while, you know, I just can't control how I think. Oh, hogwash, you can do. You think about what you do. I had a lady come to me a while back. She said, oh, Brother Scully, I'm just fretful. I worry all the time. I'm just so scared and I'm frightful or whatever else. And 
I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm standing listening to her, and I just thought, and the Lord just directed me. So I know I said, uh, do you ever watch any scary movies? She said, oh, all the time. I love them. <laughs> well, let's, let's put two and two together here. Now, this is not real difficult, all right? Yeah, be careful about that thing. Be careful what you're putting in your mind. Be careful what you see. You remember the old children's songs? Be careful, little hands, what you do. Still true, isn't it? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful. It's in your heart and your mind. Have a mind that will be given wholly to the Lord. Oh, don't turn away from Him, but turn even yet closer to Him. Be a holy man of God. Let me pass on to number two for just a moment. I want to be a holy man of God, but seek to have a godly home. That's so important. Would you look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 3? I'd like you all to turn there with me. We'll kind of make our way through this passage a little bit to our thought, kind of back up to it. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Seek to have a godly home. I think of 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's a wonderful thing. We have a daughter who teaches a Christian school up in Fort Walton. My son is married, has our only grandchild, is actually uh, lives about 100 miles from us. He drives home every weekend. He's leading the singing, directing the church today, does that. Thank God for him. We have another son who's not been married just since uh, August. He's looking to go be a missionary, which we prayed for him. And we're thankful for that. No greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth, seek to have a godly home. With me in 1 Timothy 3, let's read a little bit. I ought to preach a lot of this. I'm going to pass it kind of quickly. And let's make our way down to that thought. All right, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. A bishop then must be blameless. That's one of those verses I don't think I can ever just read straight through. That's a high quality right there, brother. Blameless. That doesn't mean he's perfect doesn't mean somebody can't accuse him of something. But when they accuse him, it doesn't stick. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, and all those things deserve a message in themselves. Verse 3, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Ask the Lord to help you in your home. I'm going to tell you, that takes a lot of grace. I'm, I'm glad we had our children a few years ago. Man, what is it to raise children in our day we're in now? And the challenges we face and the things that are available out there. But look here, rear your children for the Lord. And grow together as husband and wife. Look here, you can grow even closer together. My wife and I will soon be married next month, 34 years, and I thank the Lord for her. My girlfriend's down here with me tonight. I call her my girl. You know, people say, sweetheart and honey. I say she's my girlfriend. She said, don't do that. Somebody won't you know, think right. But she, she can be my girlfriend and my wife. Amen. Learn to love each other more. Love, love him close, Katie. Love her close, Josh. Look here. You don't have a home. You don't have a ministry. The Bible said there, the husband of one wife. It's important you support one another. And don't love her just because of something else, but love her because you promised God you would. What a solemn oath that was when you stood at your wedding and said, I will, for better, for worse, rich or poor, whatever. I will love her anyway. 
And just, just let God work you together. You'll go through seasons of life. It'll change. Your marriage, you know, when you're first married, and then you'll go through, there'll be changes, there'll be times, you know, and, and we all give that joke, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, twice the man I was when my wife married me. We mean something else, you know, and, and all those things happen to us, you know, and we go through those difficult times, stick together through thick and thin, and just, just let the Lord use you and stay close to Him. Do what He'd have you do. Don't, don't ever criticize your wife in public. Don't ever do it, all right? Don't, don't ever, you know, confide, never confide, I'll just listen to me. I'm talking to Brother Josh. <laughs> Don't ever confide in some other woman something she might could help your wife with. Don't ever go to some other woman and say, I have a difficulty at home. I need your help with it. Don't ever do that. You might could do that with your pastor. I wouldn't do that with anybody else, okay? Don't ever go and pick up a babysitter and bring them home while your wife is home watching the children. Don't do it. Don't ever be in a vehicle with another woman who's not your wife alone and nobody else in there. Just don't do it. The old question back in Bible college was you pull up at a church, you've been invited to preach somewhere and you go and you get there and, and uh, nobody's there yet but you're supposed to preach that night and you look up and there's a church that doesn't have a porch, just a little stoop up there, no porch or anything and there's a lady standing there waiting to go into church and it starts raining and she's just getting wet and just go ahead and remove all the ifs and all the ands and all the possibilities and just know that the thing comes down to she's up there getting wet and you're in the car and that's the only place she can get dry. What do you do? Answer's real simple, you get wet. You get out, you let her get in the car, be a gentleman about it, stay dry, but you get out and get wet. Okay? Don't, don't do it. Just, just keep yourself right about that. Doesn't 1 Thessalonians 5.22 isn't still in the Bible? Abstain from all appearance of evil? I was talking to somebody a while back, forgive me. They were just absolutely neo-evangelical mess, emerging, whatever else, all those things. And they said something. And I said, what about 1 Thessalonians 5.22? And I said... Uh, uh, and they said to me, what's that verse? And I said, abstain from all appearance of evil. Somebody at the Bible college degree and all, and they looked at me, brother, and said, I've never heard that verse. So you need to hear it. Need to hear it. Stay, stay away from that. Let, let God use it, okay? May, may the Lord speak to us. Much damage had been done in the Lord's work by unfaithful men. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 6, for the commandment is a lamp, the law is light, and reproofs of instruction the way of life. That's interesting. Reproofs of instruction, we're going to get reproved. But then the Bible goes on to explain, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Uh, you know, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her uh, take her with her eyelids. For by means of a horse woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Why strong words, isn't it? Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So whosoever... So he that goeth into her, he shall not be without reproach. He shall not be guiltless. Um, men do not, do not despise a man if he is still dissatisfied when his soul is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Bible's full of that. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 5, the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smooth and oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. You read those things and find them. Hey, look at here. Stay with your wife. Don't ever say, you know, I could, if I wasn't married, I could do more in ministry. God gave you the wife He gave you. And He knew what He was doing with that. And you stay together and let God use you. 
Just, just work you through that. God gives your children one day. Seek to rear your children right. How to rear your children right? That's a tough one. Ask Brother Bloom. He can tell you about it. Amen. I'm telling you, that's a job, isn't it? But it can be done. We sometimes make Proverbs 22, 6 controversial, but it's still in the Bible. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That's still Bible. Seek to rear them for the Lord and say, I'm going to do what's right. Pick it, get you some good books and read about that. Follow the Bible about it and say, hey, I want, to, I want to rear my children for the Lord. This is something independent Baptists need to hear today, okay? We need to rear our children to serve the Lord. We need to get, work on getting their heart toward God and getting to just, just to love the Lord. It's not all about us and our relationship. That's a good thing. But they need to love God. Teach them and train them and discipline them. You go in the grocery store one day and they just have a come apart and they fall all apart and you already got the ice cream and everything in the buggy and you got discipline whatever else. Look here, just push the buggy to the side. You pick up Junior and you go home with him. You practice Proverbs nineteen eighteen, chasing thy son while there's hope. Let not thy souls pair for his crying. Practice it good. And when you get through, you pick him up and go back to the grocery store. They might have put all the stuff back on the shelf, but if it's not, it's still sitting there by the side. You can put Junior back in there. The ice cream's all melted and falling out the bottom of the thing or whatever else. You're going to say, but that took me a long time. Yeah, but you're seeking to raise a young person for the Lord. Somebody said, people around me are going to think I'm crazy. Let them think you're crazy. Teach your children to love the Lord and obey and be responsible, okay? Somebody said, they don't think I'm from another planet. They're the ones from another planet, okay? You just live right for God and say, I want to live for the Lord. Seek to have a home that honors God. Hey, that's so important. It, it, it cannot be passed over. Don't, don't bypass that at all. Keep working at your marriage. Serve the Lord together. My wife's my favorite visitation partner. Amen. I like to go with her. We get out and we go visit a little while. We, we get through, we might go eat too. Amen. We might hold hands while we're out there visiting too. Amen. Look here, learn to, learn to love each other and to hold each other tight. That's so important. Be holy. Have a godly family. Number three for a moment. Stay fundamental. Jude verse 3 says, earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. I know other men are different. Don't listen sometimes. You know, our world today is full of platitudes, full of Twitter philosophers, <laughs> full of Facebook theologians, you know. And they got all kinds of things to say about whatever else, and they can get you off of mind those things. Just stick with the Word of God about that. I, I don't really have time to read the, uh, I was going to say liberals. Let me go back. Dr. John R. Rice called them modernists. And then we started calling them liberals, and then we started calling them progressives, and then we started calling them emerging, and then we say pseudo-fundamentalists or whatever else they are. I, let me just give you some hint. I, some of those men that spend like, so I can shake fruit out of an old good tree. That's one of those platitudes. I don't want to shake fruit off a bad tree, off a tree out there and me pick up a wrong one. I got too much good stuff to read. Just keep your mind, that's, that's, be, be fundamental about it. We talked the other night about the old Baptist acrostic. B-A-P-T-I-S-T, you know, Baptists, we have the, the Bible's our authority. Be fundamental about it. Make much of the Word of God. Oh, you know, the Word of God is quick and powerful, the sharper than the two-edged sword, piercing either dividing the son of the soul, the spirit of the joints of the air, the son of the joints of the air, uh, the son of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Thank God for the Word of God, you know. Uh, uh, Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way from Psalm 119, verse 128. Just make much of the Bible. B-A, hey, that's the autonomy of the local church. I thank the Lord for the local church. I'm, I'm a local church fellow, okay? I pastor a local church. I got saved in a local church, okay? I, I got saved in Northside Baptist Church just on the north side of Thomasville, Georgia. You know exactly where that is. 
And I was baptized by Brother Merrill Coram. Some of you may have known him. I thank God for that. A fellow from around this area was a pastoring church in our town by the name of Cham McMillan. Some of you know that name. He led my dad to the Lord. Thank God for what he did. I'm glad for those folks who served in a local autonomous church. That's an important thing. P, we give the word B-A-P. P is the priesthood of the believer. Thank God we believe in that. That's what the Bible teaches. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That is, you know, there's one meeting between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I'm glad other people can pray for me and I can pray other people. But you have a responsibility personally to God, and we all do. The I in Baptist is we often give it. I'm sorry, I skipped a T. I don't know my spelling too good. We have trouble with that in Mississippi. Amen. T is two officers, okay, pastor and deacon. I, individual soul, and I usually give it responsibility. We all have an individual responsibility before the Lord. And then the S, separation of church and state. And thank God for the Baptist who influenced America on that. That's a whole other message, message. T is two ordinances. We believe in baptism and the Lord's Supper. If by chance you're here being saved tonight and you've never been baptized, you ought to be. You're being disobedient. The Bible calls us to be baptized. I was baptized about two weeks after I was saved. I, I didn't know all. I couldn't have told you Romans 6, 4 said anything about baptism. I didn't know that. Basically, I knew my preacher said, here, this is what the Lord wants you to do. It's a picture of the cross, and you identify with the Lord. Don't you want to get baptized? And I said, yes, sir. And I got baptized. Thank God that I was baptized in a, in a local church. And we take the Lord's Supper. Isn't the Lord's Supper a wonderful thing? It really is. It reminds us of Jesus' broken body, of His shed blood. It reminds us. You know, that's one of those things. We're going to do that with Him again. You know, I'm going to eat this with you again. Isn't that an exciting thing to think the Lord's coming? We'll eat the Lord's Supper with Him again. What a great promise that is. We believe that last S, tist, if we make it plural, sometimes people give it as the security of the believer. And I believe in the security of the believer. By the way, I think one of the greatest verses on that in the Bible is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What questions are left about that? And there are many other good ones in there. And sometimes somebody puts another S on there and it's talking about separation. That means personally in Ecclesiastes. Just be fundamental. Don't, don't be ashamed of it, okay? Just, just desire to be what the Lord would have you be. Number four, be a Bible preacher. Be a Bible preacher. You're with me here in the book of 1 Timothy? Go with me to 2 Timothy for just a moment, all right? Just a page or two over. In chapter number 4, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge thee therefore before God the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. May God use you just preach the word. Just, just, just give the Bible. Amen. And, and you know, be bold about it. You don't have to be brash or improper, but know the word of God is true. You don't have to be abusive, but preach it with... Courage and confidence, knowing that the Bible is true. We talked about creation the other day in the ordination council. I believe God created the earth in six literal days. Somebody said, but science says whatever else. Just hold on. Science will find out what was true. They'll find out the Bible was true, okay? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. They'll find all that. Just, just be a Bible preacher and preach it boldly. Look at it and see what it says and know that's what it is and know that's the truth and that's, that's what I, I'm going to follow it. Amen. Just be a Bible preacher. Let God use you about that thing. That means sometimes being compassionate. Sometimes being, means being bold. The Lord Jesus, interesting, He takes that whip and He drives the people, you know, money changers out of the temple. I've heard people say it must have been a paper whip or whatever else. I wouldn't run from one of them. I think it was a man. I think he had a whip. He was chasing them out of the temple. They were ready to go. But then He goes out and He weeps over the very city, Jerusalem itself. 
He was a, quite the preacher. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number one, <laughs> I, I love Jeremiah, but sometimes, man, my heart goes out to him. You know, he's, he, he's just a preacher who preaches, and everything he preaches, they go against. No, no conversions. <laughs> you know, if you'll turn, but they don't ever turn. They don't ever want to go about. But he told Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. He said, don't be afraid of their faces. Go ahead and preach that. Man, it had to be tough. But thank God he was just a, a Bible preacher. This is a, a thrilling time, Brother Josh, to set out and let the Lord use you. Don't, don't be ashamed of that. You know, let, let God take, you may think, you know, I'm not what I ought to be. God, God can take things in your life, maybe the most despised, hurtful thing in your life, and turn that around and use that for His glory. But let God use that. Just say, I'm going to teach the Bible. I'm going to preach the Bible. I want the Lord to work with me. I not only just teach the Bible. Don't, going through the Bible is a good thing, but let the Bible go through you. Let it work you over. You with me in the book of First of uh, Second Timothy? Let me do something here, and I won't take all night. I'm going to preach the whole book of Second Timothy for just a moment, okay? Only 83 verses. We'll get through it. <laughs> verse 4 for just a moment. Chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 5. Let me just give you a couple of things from Timothy here about, about this idea of preaching the Word of God. Look at verse number 5. When I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith. Thank God for the unfeigned faith which is in thee, which dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuading thee, thee also. Uh, Paul talked about an unfeigned faith. If you'll just let me compare that, he knew he was saved. Know Jesus Christ and rest upon him. I saved him just 12 years old, all right? Wasn't too long after I got saved, some of these folks came to me and said, Brother, I got something for you. You need a full gospel. I've just been saved. I thought the Lord had something on to me. They said, boy, you need this. You need speaking tongues, something else, so you can, you, know, you, can have, so you can get saved and have more of the Lord. Well, I wouldn't want it all to be, but I knew one thing. I was already saved. I trusted Jesus Christ. Have a faith, just rest in Him. It'll keep you out of some of that stuff. May God just help our hearts about that for a moment. Look at verse 8. He said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony when you preach and let the Lord use you. Be unashamed. <laughs> I'm the Lord's. Look at verse number 16. Chapter 1, verse 16, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. He offered fresh me and was not ashamed of my chain. It's interesting, you study First and Second Timothy sometime and look at the people in there. You're going to find some people who are a great encouragement to the Apostle Paul. You're going to find, thank God for... Can you imagine how Paul felt when he saw Epaphroditus walk up? He just had to feel so encouraged and help. But then on the other hand, there's Demas hath forsaken me. Alexander the coppersmith. Give me much evil. Let me tell you something in your ministry, brother. Just me and you, nobody else listening for a moment. There'll be folks who will encourage you, and there'll be folks who will discourage you as well. Keep on for the Lord anyway. Paul wrote, God inspiring the Holy Spirit, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, the things which have happened unto me. Dr. Bloom could write a whole book about the things which happened unto me. But he continued it by saying, have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. Thank God for things that happened to him. He said, I continued on to preach, and they continued rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Look at chapter 2. I'm just giving you a little preaching advice for a moment. Verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'll pass that one. Look at chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman. Need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Keep learning. Don't ever learn it all. You know, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, there's a lot in there. 
I've run into two people who said they had the whole Bible memorized. I didn't stand there and give them time to quote it to me. That'd take a while, wouldn't it? I don't know whether they did or not. <laughs> but study it. There's a lot in there to learn. And, it, it, it'll, and look here. It, it'll grow fresh. It's like a river that goes and flows. And it broadens and deepens as it goes, you know. We're, we're not a secret society in any way. We don't have any secrets, anything we're hiding from, you know. Every church has one room we hide from you. It's got the brooms and the mops and all those things in it, you know. And we try not to let everybody say, we don't have any secret. We don't have secret things or whatever else. And God's not, the secret things belong under our God, Deuteronomy 29, 29. But thank God, we, we, those things are, are open out there for us to learn and let God show us and He'll keep teaching us and we'll learn along the way and He'll, He'll teach us and grow in the Lord. Just keep learning. May the Lord help us. Look at verse 22. Flee also youthful lust. Keep on with that. Keep running from evil. Don't back up on you. You made some promise way back there. God, I'm going to keep myself right about this. Don't give up on it, okay? Just because you turn 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever, it's not time to give that up. Just keep living right for the Lord. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. No, this know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Y'all know this is advice the Holy Spirit has given through the Apostle Paul to Timothy to grow as a preacher. And he's telling, look here, you're going to face perilous times. Wow. Brother Bruce Smith was my pastor late teenager, and I had the privilege of being assistant pastor for him for a while. He said to me one time, Brother Don, I'm afraid of what you're going to face. I said, what do you mean, brother? He said, I mean, I'm afraid for what you're going to face. I don't know. Looking back on it now, he knew exactly what he's talking about. We're in a world now where Young people are so bothered by something you might say, right? They want to have a safe speech zone, you know. And that's where you got this, where you can only have Second Amendment rights in this space. When I, I thought in America we had Second Amendment rights anyway. We live, we live in a world where I was given some advice a while back. They said, uh, why don't you turn in your ordination papers? You know, you got this deal going on with this same-sex marriage thing, and people are going to put the pressure on you about that. And, and uh, you know, just don't do any of them or whatever else. I... I heard that, and I thought, what do I do about that deal? Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. I told him I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep my ordination papers because marriage is ordained of God. God gave for a husband and wife. They twain shall be one to cleave together and leave father and mother. You say, what if somebody of that other ilk comes and asks you to do it? I'm not going to do it. And somebody says, well, if they throw you in jail, well, I hope somebody come visit me. <laughs> Just do right. Okay? I'm not going to throw them in and give up on that deal. The Lord help us about that. You're going to face some tough times. What other things are we going, we're going to face, you know? We're told today, pull back from your standards. You know, you could have more folks at church if you didn't preach on drinking and dancing and living together without being married and, and all those other things, you know. You, you, you could, you know, just give up your music, you know. Just go wild with the thing and turn into a, a rock crowd. Put you up a disco ball and just go backwards on all those things. You're going to face perilous times. Just stay right with God. Learn, learn those things and say, Lord, this is what your word says. This is what I want. God, I, I want to I follow you. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. But continue thou. I love that verse. But continue in thou in the things which I has learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned. Just keep on for the Lord. Verse 16 and 17. Aren't they great verses? I just can't pass them up being here. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. Not, not every scripture given by inspiration of God. That's not it. All scripture. Is given by inspiration of God. Amen. And it's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What's going to furnish you, Brother Josh, is the Word of God. 
chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be Just preach away. I ran up on a message by old Dr. Charles Weigel some years ago, and I read it. The title of it was Let Her Rip. That makes a whole good sermon right there, don't it? Just let her rip sometimes. Let the chips fall. Some of that's going to happen. Now, again, don't, that doesn't mean you don't preach without compassion and help, but sometimes just preach away anyway. Know that God, look at chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but in them also that love His appearing. Just keep on. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 said... Uh, it's right there before you. If you'll look at it, i just read it to you. Chapter 3, verse 12. And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There are going to be some tough times come by. But just keep on. I think of what happened in Acts 27 with the Apostle Paul, you know, and that, that old shipwreck. And the Lord showed it to me. And I, be of good courage. Just keep on for the Lord Jesus Christ. They say, you know, I've heard before, you're supposed to preach three points in a poem. Well, I've given you about four points or so along the way. If you wrote more than that, if you give me a notes after church, I appreciate it. It might help my next sermon some. You ever have some of them teenage gals take note and you get through, you think, man, I wish I'd had that outline. That was, thank God for that. But I'm going to give you a poem and, and we'll be through here, okay? A, uh, an evangelist friend, missionary friend, he served as evangelist and fishing, wrote this seriously. And uh, he quoted it at the end of a service about like I'm going to do to you right now when he quoted that then. It just kind of smoked my heart for a moment. I said, I'm going to borrow that. If you want to know who wrote it after church, I've got named Paul Young. He wrote a little poem, and it said, and the title of it was Keep On. It goes like this. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on, keep on, keep on. And he wrote a second verse to it. It goes like this. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Amen. Keep on for the Lord. Father, we